about five years ago, we asked Charlie Munger, we were sitting right there when he thought of Bitcoin, and he said, rat poison. Uh, back then, it was about $100 plus dollars per Bitcoin. Today, it's 9000 Is it still rat poison? Well, probably rat poison squared. Yo, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Public service announcement, don't forget to remind your friends and family that one Bitcoin will always be one Bitcoin. Now let's dive in. Today is December 10th, 2022. Today's Bitcoin price is approximately $17,200. Griff, it's another weekend here. and We're chatting about Bitcoin, chatting about life. <coughs> but I know you had a topic prepared because, guys, if you don't know, we, we hang out and chat for like 10 or 15 minutes before we even start the recording. And uh, anyways, we, we've had some good conversation up to this point. I think it's going to lead us into some fun thoughts. But Griff, we were starting with um, a hot button issue. Not dopamine? Really. Kind of. Dopamine. Yeah. <laughs> we're I just talking see. about soft, soft tissue science. We're talking about, you know, the training room, taking cold showers, sitting in a cold tub, working out. Uh, well, yeah, we were else, talking about like that recovery, you know. Well, yeah, it all actually stemmed from Nick was a little tired and he was like, no, I've taken cold showers recently. It's great. But yeah, I mean, I see like dopamine all over Twitter and YouTube and everybody talks about it now and everything. And I'm not going to pretend like a chemistry expert, but dopamine would be like what makes you happy, so to speak. Right. And there's like a lot of things to make your brain happy. Positive. It's a positive deal. Yeah, like there's a lot of things that release dopamine. Some of them have like they like slowly release, some of them quick release, some of them like short burst, you know, different types of dopamine quality, so to speak. Seems like there's quality you consume, right? That that depends on food you eat, the content that you consume, right, with your with your mind, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it is uh it's interesting. I mean, it's a concept that you like what I'm like what I was saying, you can uh, put quality in the sentence and it like matters. That's what that's what I've gathered from listening to all these videos, you know, is dopamine. But you know what releases dopamine? Cold showers and cold baths and things like that. Like a, it can release it can release as much dopamine as like doing a bump of cocaine, so to speak. And actually for longer without as much crash. So if you just get in like the cold, your body will be producing a lot of dopamine. So if you're a dopamine fiend and you know that basically life is just about tricking your dopamine in order to be successful, go take a cold shower and just like embrace it five minutes, see how it feels. Uh, it will be really cold. Um, it's going to not, I don't know if it'll hurt. I don't know what you would say, Nick. It's not a hurt. It's just like a, this sucks. Like there's nothing about cold that is like enjoyable for the first 30 seconds. But then after a while, it does start to feel pretty darn good. Might go take another cold shower after this. Might go jump in the, the river right outside. You know what I'm saying? Might just mm-hmm. go get David Goggins this morning. Might go go full. <laughs> but uh, since this is a Bitcoin podcast, dopamine and I don't know. We were just talking about Bitcoiners, everybody. Well, th- this is this is the interesting part about Bitcoin, right? We're talking about dopamine and how that impacts your brain and how that impacts uh, um, how you feel, right? Yeah. And and it's so easy to find Bitcoin principles in other things, right? That 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 are similar. And I think it's interesting. Dopamine can be good and bad, right? Depending on where your where your source is, what the what the cause is. I think Bitcoin can be so many different things um, where Bitcoin is Bitcoin, but man, Bitcoin is just, is it, it's intertwined in everything because of the principles of it. Um, and so that said, Griff, you just mentioned it. We're talking about what is a Bitcoiner again here. This is another topic that we've talked about previously. Um, it, how do you, how do you define a Bitcoiner if Bitcoin itself is so many different things? And I think it's got to almost include like everyone, right? But then it's like, okay, what are some of those key characteristics? Yeah. <clears throat> well, and then is there higher quality Bitcoiners and lower quality Bitcoiners? 
like there's a wide range of Bitcoiners. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a very diverse pool of people that get the paradigm switch, you know, or at least have seen it. And I don't know, you know, the thing about Bitcoiners, what they don't like, and this is what Nick and I were talking about. We're referring to like Nick Carter and what was going on Twitter this week, kind of loosely. Um, but what I don't know, what I don't understand is why it bothers you. But Bitcoiners really, really hate somebody who is a Bitcoiner, promotes Bitcoin, and then throws a scam up there. They hate it. I mean, man, some of these people, they do not like to see people just take a bag just because they got offered a bag. Do you know? But I don't know what your stance is on that. It doesn't. I don't know if it makes you a non-Bitcoiner if you take money outside of purely Bitcoin. Does it make you a good person? No. But another thing we were discussing earlier is bad actors can use Bitcoin. I feel like everybody talks about Bitcoin like it's evil proof. I do not think Bitcoin is evil proof. That doesn't make any sense. You know, there's an arbit- there's a crazy arbitrage of information right now. Me and Nick talk about this Bitcoin stuff all the time. But when it comes to the computer science aspect of it, we're like two monkeys. We we wouldn't we wouldn't know what's going on. We don't know how to develop anything. And are there a lot of resources to go learn that type of information? A- absolutely. I do think that actually learning how to build on Bitcoin and develop things online is one of the most like self-teachable things out there, which is pretty cool. But nonetheless, bad actors can use Bitcoin. Bad actors can build a name in Bitcoin, which has a lot of integrity, use the integrity of Bitcoin to then go make a little bit of money outside of it. I mean, it's a high time preference move, but you don't know their life. So personally, I don't care because Bitcoin doesn't care. But some people who would consider themselves uh, a higher quality Bitcoiner than you, so to speak, even though that's pretty much contrary to what Bitcoin is entirely, you know, like that at like snootiness, you know, but these Bitcoiners get really mad and I don't really know what side I agree with more. I mean, neither really. I'm just like, Bitcoin doesn't care. So like, why, like, why do we care? But yeah, uh, at the same I time, think, uh, I think uh, when it comes to see, cause again, here you're talking about, we're talking about time preference. Time preference is kind of always one of those root pieces that is always affected. Um, so in what time frame are we thinking? Uh, you know, like you mentioned, um, Nick Carter uh, and or somebody that just takes a bag because they were offered a bag, right, to promote some type of crypto project or whatever, right? It's typically what it is or some other type of product that goes with it or something, whatever, right? I think you always got to, like, think about, okay, what is this actual thing that I'm going to be pushing, that I'm going to be marketing and advertising for, um, and if it's if it's in alignment with your values, uh, then I think that then you've got a chance to or then you've got an opportunity to do something. But if it doesn't, then you shouldn't just do it for the money, because why would you promote things that are opposite of what you believe? Um, I mean, I, I guess I, I don't know what the incentive. I mean, well, the incentive is the incentive is getting money. They're getting money. They get paid. Kevin O'Leary got paid fifteen million dollars by FTX. So that's why. Well, and, and see, so money. that's so that's the part. So that's the part that I think is super interesting. Is like, why would I believe this thing, but then also do this? That, that's an internal conflict, right? How how does the world, how does the world move forward and operate at a high level and continue to get better if? we're literally conflicted on the inside individually. How can we ever come together as individuals if we are conflicted ourselves? You know, yeah, that, I mean, that's like ultimate high, high time preference. You're thinking about right now, what's the best for me, not what's long-term best for all of us. And I think, uh, I think that what's long-term best for all of us is what is best for us individually, which is. What do you just, think uh, in the time preference category? Sorry about that. I just want to ask you this. What do you think of the time preference? What do you think of the time preference category of attacking crypto from a Bitcoin standpoint? Because a lot of guys are mixed on that. Where it's like, is it a useful, um, like a useful way to spend your time to essentially, I mean, even follow a CoinDesk account and like care what they have to say if you're a Bitcoiner? Because you don't, 
you do not have to. You can just buy the Bitcoin and live your life. That's kind of the whole point of Bitcoin. You do not have to care. <laughs> like, that's why I like Bitcoin. That's why I'm here. I do not have to care. Now, yeah. I have a podcast about it and I talk about lightning and like I do tell everybody all the time, I feel like, and now I can put it on recorded record, you know, like this is the biggest missed opportunity of a lifetime. We should just all freaking stop and go try to build something on lightning. But yeah. I obviously believe in this stuff. I'm obviously a promoter of Bitcoin, but I buy it because I don't have to care. It's the easiest. I mean, it's like literally you want to save your money somewhere. Boom. That's like, that is how you save your money. But back to my question in that, where do you see it on like the time preference scale? We should get like a big old time preference scale for like one of our green screens here. But uh, where do you see on the time preference scale of like guys like uh, CEO of Swan and Corey Clipston, which I'm mixed about. Pretty much, you know, in my opinion, spending a lot of his time trying to call out crypto scams, which he's been successful in doing. Is it important to call out crypto scams? You know, what's your opinion on that? Hmm. I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I think your point on it, Bitcoin not caring and you not having to care, I think is a huge piece of it. I think that's a beautiful part of it because it allows you to do what you want to do and not be forced to appeal to this system or whatever. Right. So I think that's a huge piece. Um, and then beyond that, it's kind of like, well, do you feel like, like you obviously, uh, you don't want to see other people be destroyed, right? You don't want to see other people's financial, uh, livelihood being destroyed because it's being stolen through a scam, uh, that, that is, uh, ultimately not, not really different than what this current system is, right? Uh, it's still a centrally controlled authority and, I don't know. Maybe there's maybe there's other use cases that we don't know about yet that come out in the next several years or whatever. But um, as it stands today, I kind of, you know, just speaking for myself, I just kind of keep quiet about it. I don't really like I'll see some stuff that about it or whatever, but I don't really follow it much. Um, and ergo, not really promoting it. It kind of um, hits me and it's it's a it's a dead sandbag and it's it's laying on the ground. It's not really good. You're really kind of an odd one because I never let you really touch the crypto thing. I actually that, that is also that is also like, true. Yeah, it's like they're they market them well. They market them well because they know they understand Bitcoin enough to like hit on a they'll hit on a major piece of Bitcoin and go, we're just doing this part better. Which in a market you know, like just naturally a per as a person, you go like, oh, well, if this is an industry and this is a market, well, this then I should probably buy more than one product. But that's the thing. Bitcoin is not a product. You know, Bitcoin is not a company. Bitcoin is not, uh, it has nothing to do with tokens. Bitcoin is not even cryptocurrency. It's not even in the white paper. It doesn't even talk about digital. It says electronic peer-to-peer -peer cash system. So Bitcoin could technically work offline if you really break it down. I mean, Bitcoin is different. It's we it's something that you could have 54 podcasts about and you still really can't define it too clearly. Like, what is Bitcoin and what is it going to do? Uh, I mean, like, here's a lot of really cool features of this thing. What can it do? I, I don't know. Like pretty much take over the world, probably change the way that everybody lives without even having like a CEO because nobody cares. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I know you don't pay attention as much, which hey, good for you. But I, in some respects, like, it's like maybe we need some people to call out scams just to make sure that along this timeline, Bitcoin doesn't get, I don't know, like down the tubes. But in my opinion, man, People view Bitcoin as like a red flag. Like if you like Bitcoin, it's a red flag or something, you know, like that's a common thing to say. And because Sierra tells me that all the time. She works at Barnes and Noble now and now she's around more people talking to them and like she'll just sit there and go. She thinks it's dumb because she obviously knows us and knows me. And she's like, you guys like aren't into it like the it's not crypto. And I'm like. Thank you for understanding. So she's talking to people about Bitcoin? No, like they'll talk, you know, people just talk and they talk about like what a red flag is and like what, you know, like what is, uh, what when guys talk about cryptocurrency, how it's like you're a douche, like immediately. And it's like, I understand. When I hear people talk about crypto, I'm like, oh my God. 
And don't <laughs> me wrong, I was there for a little bit. I don't. I never publicly talked about. It. I talked about. It was crazy making money on it there for a little bit. So yeah, definitely. You want to talk about when it's making money? But the moment I like had any type of realization, it was over, and I was yeah. very happy that it was over. So it's and thankfully you uh, went through that whole experience before I was ever into any of it, and uh, and you got to learn all lessons. And you were like, ah, uh-uh, don't 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 go mess around over that. Just do this thing. Yeah, because I had already done it. I was like, dude, just don't like. It's just like you're gonna like learn a lot about nothing, man. You're gonna do a lot of Google searches just to like really realize it's like this. This doesn't even this doesn't even make any sense. It doesn't like how do we even use this? Where do we log into this? Well, and there, there really it? is like you know, it seems like the Bitcoin world uh, today. Um, I was just actually listening to. It's funny you were talking about the Blue Collar Bitcoin podcast. Uh, I think it is a great show. I realized whenever I went back a couple weeks back uh, to, to go listen to some of their original episodes um, mm-hmm. that I'd sorted it oldest to newest. And so I kept looking at it and waiting for it to update and it wasn't updating. Well, your boy was uh, looking at the oldest to the newest and not the newest to the oldest. So I resorted and listened to one of the newer episodes uh, this morning. And I can't remember what the title was, but um, it was, let's see. Sure. What were they? What were they speaking on? Yeah, that's a good podcast. Uh, and those guys spend a really good chunk of time talking about crypto, and uh, but they do a really good job talking about Bitcoin as well. Eighty six episode eighty six. Oh, uh, bullish enough on mining. Bullish enough. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, uh, I'm about halfway through it. A little over halfway through it. Anyways, one thing they were talking about was the education of Bitcoin now versus times in the past. And, um, you know, like still, I feel like now uh, there's there's a lot of different pieces of content that you should consume in order to like really get it. Like you should listen to uh, Robert Breedlove. You should listen to him on his podcast. You should read the Bitcoin standard. You should read these Twitter threads. Um, you know, it's like all of all of these different ways to consume it. You have to consume it uh, to really learn it and understand it. Um but I think that I think that the Bitcoin education piece is getting better as we see, you know, because in that another piece they were talking about in that episode is that this happening right now in the crypto industry uh, and I'll say crypto uh, all encompassing. And we'll say that Bitcoin is included there as well. What's happening in the crypto industry. Is stress testing everything, Right. So all this stuff is, is freaking out and crumbling. Things are crumbling. Things are falling. And everything that's sound and solid, those are the things that are going to stand. They're, those are the things that are going to withstand the stress test, right? So you've seen like all the proof of reserves. I think that's interesting. Um, bullshit because Binance is as apparently suspect as it gets because they have a whole bunch of like oh, really? some fake Bitcoin on there. Yeah, it ain't good. I'm telling you, it ain't. But as you already knew that. I already knew that. It ain't good for companies like that that are basically. I don't even know what you want to call that. Running the, I, I don't. Is it a Ponzi scheme? Is it like, if you they did become securities, it's like fraud. Yeah, because it's like you, you don't. People need to understand. There's nothing of Binance. Binance tokens don't do anything. Like there's no, like there's Binance itself doesn't do anything it buys and sells things that don't do anything and they do have some bitcoin but not enough to just give you eight percent yield for the rest of your life like that doesn't make any sense is binance actually they've got a yield uh deal too i don't everybody's got a yield if it's an ethereum token if it's an erc20 token it's like it's most a lot of it's like staking it and getting yield Dude, like on Ethereum right now, there's like $20 billion worth of Ethereum or something like that locked on contracts. And the only people who can unlock them are like the three people who started it. And they're literally like they've moved back to the time like six months at a time. Hey, we're still working on this protocol. You'll be able to get your money soon. Or some, and it just keeps moving back. But it's... You know, it's brutal, That's man. Crazy. 
that one. So that, back to the question, like I do feel like it is necessary to for us to sit on here for some time and talk about it and go, yeah, like that's <clears throat> obviously not the best iteration of what Bitcoin is. So like, don't buy it, don't be a part of it, don't do it. But we have to talk about it and call them out for what they are, which are scams. And could they be an attempt to innovate something at some point? Sure. But ultimately, if it's not built on Bitcoin from a money protocol standpoint, like HTTP, BTC or something like that, I don't want to hear about it because it doesn't matter to me. The money protocol of the Internet is decided. And if you're not going to get behind Bitcoin in that way and you're going to try to fight it, uh, I'm pretty much just going to be like, OK, I don't I don't really care what you have to say. I believe in the network of Bitcoin. 50 uh, Dylan LeClaire put out it's like Bitcoin's price is down. One Bitcoin is always one Bitcoin. But do you want to know what's up that has nothing to do with USD price? Uh, hash rate and the network's growth year over year is like 50% compound growth every single year. That's insane. So yeah. I will just take that to the bank. Fuck the dollar price. Do we even care about the dollar price anymore? Me personally, I just don't care. I don't care. I'm just trying to get me some Bitcoin, all right, as much as I can. And I'm trying to hide it. My only other question is, Nick, recently, I, we need to get somebody on. You know, if I have 12 words off of like a blue wallet situation, that's straight, right? I mean, like, that's all I really have to do. Like, I don't understand all these like cold cards and all those types of things. I'd have to get somebody on here to really tell me like why. Because like if I know them or I ha like have them written down and very secured up, you know what I'm saying? What? Well, so th I think uh, I think the big risk on that is that it's still a hot wallet, meaning that it's if it's on a phone, mm -hmm. uh, if it's on a phone, it's connected to the Internet and connected to the Internet uh, means that if somebody can hack the security system of your phone and get into your phone and blue wallet, like you're saying, for example, if they're right. able to like, how do you open your blue wallet? Do you type in a password? Do you use face ID? Yeah. You know, like how so if they can hack that security system, then they can access your blue wallet. Well, and that's why Apple remains so atop, right? Because it's so secure. So that is a really interesting. I case. mean, I mean, you'd rather you'd rather have the Bitcoin network secure your Bitcoin than Apple. Well, just take your Bitcoin offline, buy it on blue wallet, take it offline. Now what? Now what can they do? If you don't even have the blue, like you just get your 12 words on, you just get your 12 words on blue wallet write them down and you have the address or you just log in every time you want to send or send some from an exchange down to it, then boot back offline. I think that is as safe as, as, as it gets, I believe, but obviously like there's cold cards and Mark for this and Mark for that. Um, but in my opinion, like that's where even for me, I'm just like cold yeah. card. I always assume that when I looked at the cold card, I don't know why it took me so long to click on a link because this I how I feel is I just want to put my 12 words in my head and I don't want to forget that. Hey, it was funny. You posted that on Twitter the other day and you said, what's stronger than 12 words remembered, you know, or whatever. Yes. We uh, said 24. Yeah. And yeah. Homeboy says, uh, he said 24. That's funny. It's like, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, do you want to know what's the strong? Do you want to know what's the strongest? You get twelve words, I get twelve words. We start like a pension fund for our kids or whatever for families in like a hundred years, and we just put like, and we just put like, we just put like a no, no, no. I mean, like you have twelve of the words, I have twelve of the words. So like, we need both of us at some point to actually open the situation, like a treasure. We should start a Bitcoin treasure, Nick, because it would be hilarious if we just bought like. $1,000 worth of Bitcoin or something like just like 10 million sats or let's call it 30 million sats. And like in 100 years, 30 million sats is worth like $30 million today or a lot, you know, 100 years, a lot way more than $30 million today. It's like more like $30 trillion today or something crazy. You never really know $30 billion today. Um, that'd be kind of fun because then cool. something our families would have to link up, you know, later in life, Nick, like the book, this is like a book. Now they'd have to link up later on and we, they'd have the burns and the dons would have to exchange the 12 words that they both have to unlock their, and then it would unlock this. Yeah. You know, it would be crazy. Uh, 
and it's just 24 <laughs> words. It's just 24 words. That is, and that's pretty cool. Like that's the, you know, the computer science that backs it. That is interesting. So basically if you do have a hot wallet, make it cold, take it offline. Um, you know, trust another, you another piece, uh, another piece that you were talking about earlier. Or trust uh, Apple. Huh? Or trust, or trust Apple. Apple. I want to, yeah, because Apple, Apple is, you know, obviously done. If they've done one thing well, it's sell our data without us knowing. Okay. And making me feel safe because yeah. it feels very You're safe. Wrong. You're not yeah. wrong. Um, not okay. Lot. So another piece that you were talking about, Griff, is, uh, is because of this creation of Bitcoin mm. during the time that it was created, um, how much it really impacts in human life, uh, what it can really mean and how it could really impact us. Some might say that it may have been somewhat divine, the creation. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of prehistory actually though, to like in regards to electronic peer to peer payments and blockchain, obviously like the iteration of all these things. But, um, I mean, the, yeah, I've watched a couple of videos recently, just like had nothing to do with Bitcoin. It was just describing like a, a God, so to speak, or how does the world start? Well, it does have to start from somewhere. Where does this start? And then like people's, thought of what this thing would have to be and i'm just like so not to sound weird here but like kind of like bitcoin i mean in a sense just like something that works trustlessly every 10 minutes forever nobody in the world has to trust it and it's going to do i mean really like if bitcoin works out you don't hear a bitcoiner ever describe a world that's worse okay we're talking about less home homelessness and more affluence the largest middle class to ever exist Oh, who, who doesn't want that? If you don't want that, in my opinion, you're we're not friends. Because at the end of the day, the goal of the world would be like everybody's the same class. It's just this extremely strong middle class where it's just like, you know, like that's the only way it would ever work is if everybody's up there. Is that possible? Everybody in economics would say no. But 500 years of a strong Bitcoin adoption and sound money. Who knows? I mean, like a lot of a lot of crap gets flushed out. That's my favorite. That's been my favorite thing about being in Bitcoin. My I guess my savings account, so to speak, in dollar terms has hurt over the year. But watching these people go down, man, is so much fun. I've enjoyed it. It's just like this is what Bitcoiners said would happen. And it's happened. Much like uh, when gas was rising, Bitcoiners said this would happen. It happened. And I'm talking about all these guys on Twitter, just a consensus of people basically going, listen, they printed 40% of the money. It's over. Okay. It's over. Like they can try all of these games they want, but it's pretty much over. And I've been following that pretty closely for like a year and a half, two years now. And I don't know, dude, it's, it's an interesting world. Do you know what I'm saying? We talk to a lot of interesting people. But there's a lot of funny money out there, malinvestment, things that just aren't going to work out. And it's unfortunate for a lot of people that don't see it coming. But in my opinion, when you're talking about Bitcoin being divine, uh, you know, I'm not for the podcast. I'm not uh, as I grew up going to church. You know what I'm saying? Christian church, Lutheran church. So when I make a comparison here, I just want to say making a comparison. Don't want to go all that much anymore. When we're talking about something being divine and sin, so to speak, right, Nick, because sin is a big thing. Uh, the financial world is full of sin. Let's just put it that way. But let's just put it for short. Maybe over the last 50 years of a non-sound money standard whatsoever, not even like a loose gold standard. Maybe we're living in some sort of hell right now because it is it is wild, man. You can go out right now. Anybody can go out right now and go, I can find a few zero percent loans that are going to ruin my life today. And they can go ruin their lives. And <laughs> they don't even know it. And if you're telling me that isn't like the devil, I don't, then I don't know what a quote unquote devil is. Like, I just Here's don't. free money for you. Yeah. Free I mean, you. like, please don't get me wrong. If you want to accept a lend as a risk, that's a lend as a risk. But we're talking about, man, we're talking about payday loan lenders. How is that even legal? We're talking about people taking credit cards out that are fill up $2,000 credit lines. Fill them up, fill them up, fill them up, fill them up as many as they can get till, till it's bad. We're talking about a, a state of California that if you don't pay your rent, 
the landlord can get you out. So it's just like, Hey, or, or even think about this, think about this, think about some people that go get that credit card loaded up with Bitcoin. Well, they lever themselves into Bitcoin for money that they don't quite have. Well, that's, you mean like, wait, wait, wait. Oh, you mean people who buy Bitcoin with a credit card? I think it's. Yeah. I mean, like, let's, let's say you, you know, I mean, I get probably four, four, zero percent APR for the first 12 months credit cards offer credit card offers in the mail, like four or five of them a month. How about the people that are going and, t- and opening those cards and putting that full credit line right into Bitcoin and hoping, hoping and wishing and praying that Bitcoin's going to go up big time and they're going to be in that year and they're going to be able to pay, sell the Bitcoin they need to sell to pay the credit card. And now they've got a profit. Well, you tell me, uh, would Christ and or something divine or a God, so to speak, in any religion, flush out bullshit that was around him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not that not that they not that they don't people don't try to tempt these divine people or it's not that people don't try to, you know, tantalate these situations or ruin it, so to speak. But they just go, hey, you're gone out. And everybody that you're just talking about, you know. If you're ballsy enough to do it once and then do it twice and then do it three times, it doesn't seem like there's that many people who've been successful doing that. You know, it seems like the people who are successful are old whales who stacked a long time ago and then just people who stack like without without a credit card, without on a loan. Maybe you maybe you stretch yourself a little, maybe you're eating ramen a few nights, but it's they're going to pay their rent. They're going to have all the money that they need, so to speak. And that's yeah. I think financial discipline has a big piece to do with it too. Well, right. You can't just you can't just stack Bitcoin and not pay and prioritize. (laughs) Like you know, there we've got we've got extra cash that we could buy extra Bitcoin with. But we're you know we we plan it a certain way to where I know comfortably. uh, I, I I can well I say comfortably. I can be aggressive on my savings and investments, and Mm -hmm. uh, and after I before actually. Well, it's all automated. I got it all automated and stuff. But so, it, you know, I'm, I'm able to be intentional about where pieces are going versus being high time preferenced and going all in Bitcoin and not preparing for something that may happen here in the real world uh, yeah. that's outside of your investments and your money. Right. Pretty much all the other important things in life. Uh, yeah. You have to prepare for those things and stack Bitcoin uh, responsibly, I think is kind of a funny, maybe a funny way to put it, but, uh, stack Bitcoin responsibly, you know, have a financial plan. Yeah, I was, yeah. And then in regards to, can it be divine? All I'm kind of saying is like, sure. It flush. It well, seems I mean, to be yeah. God, it, God it created it. man and man created Bitcoin. I mean, it's it sound money yeah. in a fiat world, which is literally like a, you know, what, what, it, what would you do if somebody like a Jesus Christ or somebody like a Muhammad or somebody like that just is everybody's talking about him. He's all over Twitter. This dude just fucking turned some water into wine straight up. Uh, Andrew Tate. <laughs> on some very, you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but really does some crazy stuff. You know, he really did blow up quick, but some guy who's just performing miracles. He necessarily is nowhere, but he's just doing all these things. Everybody would hate him. Everybody would in today's world. Everybody would reject him. I, at least that's what I believe. They did the first time too. (laughs) I mean, like, listen, everybody, you can have your pins on a lot of stuff. Everybody hates LeBron James. Everybody hates Michael Jordan. Everybody hates important people. Everybody hates anybody who has success in this world. It's it's just the nature of the game. Everybody, like, there's always going to be more haters than you do have fans. Just because... I don't know. That's just the way the world is built currently. But if Bitcoin was divine, it would be right under our nose and we would never know it, in my opinion. But it seems to me there's a lot of prehistory to it. It was obviously written. But I mean, you know, it is an innovation that is in the category of divine, in my opinion, because people can build things that are way beyond their capabilities. The Constitution is a document that was way beyond the Founding Fathers' capabilities, and they did it. Some of the discoveries of Napoleon and, like, who even knows, J. 
just the the greatest thinkers of all time, Albert Einstein. Well, all, all the great inventions and innovations. They were way and all, ahead of their all time. Of those huge jumps. I mean, it's it's God's right. creation creating. You know, it's all right. reflection of God. It all comes from somewhere. Like, how does the brain work and and whatever? And so, whatever you want to believe in, I would just say that if there's anything that's like Noah's Ark or there's a flood coming or whatever, it would be the upcoming recession. And Bitcoin is no, it's Noah's Ark, man. Jump on that thing, okay? Like, that's what I would do. I'm just like, it looks like it's going to flood. Possibility. That's all I'm saying. A lot of rain, guys. There's been a lot of rain, okay? I just, I think, I think just maybe half of you should jump on here. Or maybe just put half your family on there and keep the other half here. I don't know. But let's just not keep the whole family in a sinkhole. You know what I'm saying? Let's just not keep the whole family. A 1% allocation could change your entire life. It could, because it could just mean that you have Satoshis. I mean, like, you never, the thing about hyperinflation is you never know when it's coming. Are we going to hyperinflate? I mean, like, who necessarily knows? Who knows? Who doesn't know? But, uh, I mean, Griff, that's something we can't really speculate. Hyperinflation is something I don't really want to throw out. Because who knows? I mean, like, should we hyperinflate? Probably. But the way money works nowadays, we don't hyperinflate everybody else hyperinflates and then these banks get their money back from these crappy places you know like we're getting shaken down by the irs that's happening all over the world right now because these people are hyperinflating they can't pay their money wef or whomever the imf is coming back and going and eh, we need we need we need some money and that's how everybody ultimately gets repaid so i don't know if the dollar hyperinflating is in the near future or not I know a lot of small currencies hyperinflating is going to happen. It's already happened. So they're starting to adopt Bitcoin. But U.S. dollar, I don't know. I mean, you know as much as I do whether that would hyperinflate. That's just we can speculate divine more than we can actually speculate hyperinflation. I'd argue hyperinflation would be harder to see and predict than than, uh, if somebody was walking on water. It can can happen so fast because the creation of that fiat, it doesn't take anything. You can do it instantly for nothing. It's a phenomenon, and it's just like I want to know who's directly involved in all historical, like who's like, yep. Somebody has to sign off. Who I want to know who signed off straight up on all of them, because you ultimately screw everybody. You don't just screw yourself. You, you, it's like the ultimate, you know, fuck over the team situation, and oh man, it's hard to see coming because you don't know when they're going to sign off. You just don't know. How about bailing out pension programs? How about attacking major oil companies? These are all things governments do when they're trying to attack their economy, when they need more money, when they need to propagate things, when they're trying to take more power. But so, Griff, uh, a big piece to that is the narrative uh, that's being pushed to the world, um, which brings us to another topic, and that is the the Twitter files deal that you were talking about earlier. I think is kind of interesting. But then also just social media in general, uh, news in general, and how that impacts, you know, Bitcoin's growth um, and also everything else that's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. So what's yeah. the deal with the Twitter files? Tell me tell me about the Twitter files again. Uh, Elon took over and <clears throat> we were talking about this, another topic, we were talking about this before. Um, basically, Elon has taken over Twitter. And there's a whole bunch of files, obviously, of the company that he took over, all the records of all of the things that they've been doing for all of time, so to speak, especially the past few years. And he's been giving these stories or basically leaking his own stuff about Twitter to independent writers. And then they are making these pretty awesome threads where they're just highlighting like shadow banning and confirming things that happened and what happened with Trump and a lot of ch- child's <clears throat> sexual exploitation just happening right on Twitter and they were doing nothing. So basically they're just like releasing all of this stuff, like what was actually going on behind the scenes at Twitter messages, private messages between the head of security council and the FBI, like all times of the kinds of things of them colluding things that under oath they were saying that they were not doing publicly they were saying this was not happening and this is all they were doing so that's what twitter files is is basically the exposure of, of all of that yeah 
everything that you thought was going on on Twitter over the past couple of years. You know, if you tweeted something negative about the vaccine and you got banned, well, you know, you were really getting banned because you were like, hey, yeah, hey, I don't think this vaccine is very good. Banned. <clears throat> hey, I don't uh, I don't know about if you're a Republican saying basically like if you were a Republican talking about election fraud, they put a shadow ban on everybody. But if you were a Democrat talking about it, they shadow banned you for like a second. And then we're like, uh, I think they've learned their lesson. I think that wasn't as bad. And they're just like, you're fine. And it's pretty, it's not all one way, you know, as it's pers- as it's kind of coming out right now. But it, it is seemingly pretty left-leaning in regards to the favoritism from Twitter, so to speak. Twitter itself and the people who are working on Twitter had a... Personal interest, I couldn't even tell you. They just really love the Democratic Party. That's all That's all it seems like so far through the Twitter files. And, you know, it's not. it wasn't even a private company. So a lot of these things, you know, like really were, in, you know, disincent, I mean, like would discourage shareholders, I would think. I mean, like there was a lot of defamation, libs of TikTok, like we were talking about, and Charlie Kirk, a lot of prominent conservative accounts, especially over the pandemic that became popular were, being harassed and censored by the FBI. And then when it came to child, like sex exploitation and things like that, like sexual, like child porn, things like that, like them, you know, human sex trafficking, all those types of things, they legitimately turned a blind eye to it multiple times. Well, what were these people doing? Like shooting DMs back and forth and talking like on private messages or like, what? No, just like like, videos and accounts on Twitter that, like, have to, uh, yeah, you can find, yeah. But anyway, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And there's people who call it out and they're like, you guys haven't done anything in two years. And that is the truth of the situation. They haven't seemingly done anything. And Jack was like, this isn't true. But Elon literally tweeted right back at him. No, it's 100% true. He's like, so-and-so literally went right to your head of trust and safety, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't do anything multiple times. It's right here. I'm the CEO, or he's like, I'm, I'm the new owner of Twitter. I have your files. He's like, you guys didn't do anything. And, eh, you know, I don't want to take these Twitter files also like it's just 100%. Like I haven't fully read every single one of them, and I don't understand the full context behind every single thing that was going on for these people. But it seems like Elon and these Twitter files are being – you know, it's, it doesn't seem like it's a lot of propaganda. It just seems like the whole free speech narrative, that seems like that's what he's really pushing and going after and sticking to. And, like, you know, you want to believe that that's all he's doing here is, like, just trying to expose a lot of the truths and things, you know, that made people feel crazy and divided households over the last two years because there were, like, legitimate arguments going on. And Twitter is, a, you know, millions of people are on Twitter. And they literally... We're trying to say that one side of the argument was 100% right and the other one was 100% wrong. And that's exactly how you start political arguments in a household. You divide them right then and there. Because anytime you have an argument with somebody and there's never any give and take from either side, things can be 87, 13, you know, 77, 20. There's a mix, you know what I'm saying, and to every conversation, to every argument, so to speak. But Twitter basically made it to where it was like, yeah, if you were against this, we're against you. And it's like, meh, well... They're just all one side, pretty much all one sided. And we pretty much banned accounts and we pretty much blacklisted accounts and just didn't tell anybody. And we were talking to the FBI the whole time. Oh, and then we just didn't do anything about sexual, whatever, child porn. And then, like, you know, on top of that, we banned the president of the United States. So it, uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean, isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's just, I, you know, it's t- it's crazy to believe that somebody like Elon would just go, yeah. I mean, like, I think he's just doing it to get traffic onto the site. But uh, I mean, do you think that uh, do you think that that is like, what do you think about the the whole position on decentralized social media where there is no central control? There is no central authority. And, and I would think it, it would be similar to the Bitcoin network in that rules had to be followed. There had to be a set. A uh, uh, set basis of rules, but to where all the people could vote, um, could verify a vote um, f- 
for. I kind of think people always build apps. I kind of think that it'll always be relatively centralized. I just think that there will be more interoperability built on a, like a lightning system, so to speak. I think that, you know, Twitter not necessarily working with Instagram, them being legitimately owned by different companies, things like that. Yeah. Um, even if they are owned by different entities, I see more interoperability in the future and just a more like people going after everything, you know, because right now it's really interesting because they all have their own thing, but nobody's made a social media yet where it's like, Hey, like, you know, if you guys just give us like $20 a month, like we'll be like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, we'll do lightning payments. We'll just do everything. Facebook market, we'll do it all YouTube. We'll do everything. Nobody's ever gone after everything. Why? Um, I think right now, because it's like you're trying to build a niche. So you're just trying to get users super fast. You're trying to do anything that kind of like does that other, other than Facebook. Facebook's kind of in a category of its own because it started the whole thing. It's also owned by like the CIA, I think, or at least a lot of people like to say so. So I don't know. <laughs> but it's just, dude, it's crazy. I mean, all of these platforms, I think, will always exist. I just think on Lightning, it'll be harder to, like, take up the full market share because there are um, there are OS systems, like there are app stores and things like that that are being built on Lightning and being built on the Internet that will be interoperable. So it's like the payments will go through there. And... Yeah. Other than the payment side of things, it's going to be like not iOS. It's not going to be like controlled by anybody. It'll be easier to build the applications for the small little guy. I don't know. So I think it'll be more competitive. I think more people will get into the space. But I mean, there's always going to be a need for applications. There's always going to be a need for um, somewhat of a, I mean, Bitcoin is really centralized. It's the best public centralized ledger ever. Do anybody in the world at any point in time can literally go to the town square Bitcoin on their own computer and just go, Oh, awesome. Verified. Everything's happening. So that is like, you know, we talk about decentralization. You just got to go to the Bitcoin portal. You can see it all. I mean, and that, in my opinion is, uh, not centralized, I guess, so to speak, but everybody needs a town square. Everybody needs, yeah, okay. everybody needs something easy. So like I see in the future, you know, a lot of, a lot of Twitter and Facebook and these things will get displaced because I do think that these guys are have peaked. I, I want to say Apple's peaked. And I think it's because they have not treated people well in the space. I think they've been a bully for a really long time. And I think they have been anti-freedom for a really long time among applications. And they're run by China. And just I just don't think that Apple will... In my opinion, I don't think they'll adopt Bitcoin in time. I think they'll be late adopters to Bitcoin. I do not think they're going to be early, even though we're talking like some of these big companies, Nick, are bigger than countries. So theoretically, El Salvador as a nation state should never achieve more wealth and prosperity than just like the network of Amazon people, you know, like the, the network that is Amazon. Just because it's so much bigger. Because it's way bigger. I mean, like, and they produce, you know, they do like a lot of stuff. But what's stopping Amazon from starting to interoperate lightning and do lightning nodes and the whole thing and get fully de developed, like, into it? Uh, their lack of conviction or belief in it? That's that's it. Because they could. Anybody could. That's the cool thing about Bitcoin. But I always think that there might be a need for an Amazon. Amazon's fucking great. The problem with Amazon is... Lack of transparency, lack of competition, um, lack of a uh, true competitor in the space when it comes to, hey, you're literally anywhere where you want to package. How, how long? You don't even have to have Prime. How long? Just four days. Okay, it'll be there. Cool. Thanks. Like, that's pretty powerful. I think there is a, there. I mean, there's an internet, you know, Web5 that Jack's building where it's like, hey, if you're a company and you wanted to find a logistics partner, I'm sure there'll be an Amazon service, so to speak, where it's like an open source. You can go to anybody's quote unquote page and be like, contact them and go, hey, like I need this job done, blah, blah, blah. And you can communicate via the internet differently. I think the way you'll navigate the internet will be a lot different in 10 years, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, there'll always be a need for apps. There's always, there just, just is. There's always a need for people to actually do the work because not everybody is going to run a node. 
not everybody's going to be able to process their own transactions. Not at least in the next, in my opinion, 60 years. But yeah. who knows? Who knows? Because honestly, would it be that hard to teach the average American with a solar panel? Hey, like, if it's not going to go towards your Tesla or like you guys are gone for the week, like, just like mine some Bitcoin with it. Uh, that sounds pretty good because then you're utilizing the energy even more and you're actually going to make money with it and you're securing a, a network and you're securing a grid like texas's grid has been way more secure since adding all this bitcoin mining because it's like as soon as it's going to be wasteful it's like boop not wasteful anymore great as soon as you're going to produce emissions boop no more emissions bitcoin mining is great and actually like what we were talking about at the beginning with that podcast you're listening to he kind of is that's what he's alluding to he's like I, I, he said something about we basically are using or attempting to mine about like one percent of the world's total energy he's like we we coal and fossil fuels is like one percent he's like bitcoin mining is the energy revolution he's like that's why it's bitcoin so amazing it is the energy revolution as much as it is a money revolution and he's like that's why people aren't bullish enough he's like you don't understand he's like everybody can be a bitcoin miner he's like everybody can utilize get more energy there's a lot more energy out there. Honestly, there's even ways, if you look up Nicole Tesla, there's even better ways to get energy than what we do it right now, even solar and wind. There's nuclear. Like, it's just we use no energy, and there's been no innovation to the energy space, and there's been no reason to because what happens if there's nothing to use the energy for? It's just wasted energy. Now it's super easy. You just get some S9s, and at the very minimum – Put it on the hash rate. Just mine Bitcoin. You're going to make money. You might lose right now. Like, I think it's like a very, like, thin profit margin. But you're still getting non-KYC Bitcoin early. And then in the future, I imagine, to be honest, it's probably going to be a relatively profitable situation in the coming future. But Bitcoin mining, in my opinion, you really shouldn't get into. That's why I don't really, I wouldn't invest in a Bitcoin mining stock. Because it's like, it kind of is counterintuitive to Bitcoin. Like, Yes, Bitcoin miners, like, they need to operate in a weird world right now. But honestly, they're just, they're securing the grid because they're getting a, a lot of Bitcoin. Like, a lot of non-K, like, nobody knows who you are. It's their Bitcoin, and they're mining it. That's why they're doing it. But should people be investing cash so that somebody else can mine their Bitcoin? Uh, no, unless they're paying out dividends in Bitcoin consistently. I don't see how... Bitcoin mining stocks work. So really, in my opinion, Bitcoin mining is going to be more about the individual because in my opinion, running a node is probably more complicated than running a, a miner. Like it, it just is. Somebody can come and set up solar panels and a miner to your house, just build the company. Okay, boom, Bitcoin in the real world. Everybody with a solar panel now has a Bitcoin miner. When they go on their three-week vacation to Hawaii every year, they get a Bitcoin while, while, while they're doing it or something. You know, who knows? But uh, yeah, that is that's kind of a crazy side too that we don't think about a lot is how the energy revolution, like what is Bitcoin mining really going to do? Uh, it's going to really change the world from an energy perspective. People are about to get a lot fucking smarter. There's going to be a lot of talent that goes into the energy sector because at worst, you're going to be able to secure the Bitcoin network. At worst, you're going to be processing transactions for SATs and mining Bitcoin. And that's going to be a lucrative situation because when do we have again, Nick? When's that happening? When's what happening? The next halving. It's in like two years. Yeah, it's like two years. Yeah, man. I mean, hey, listen, this whole like dollar price of Bitcoin thing, please do not take this podcast the wrong way. One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, but we understand Bitcoin does have to like suck up this value, you know, like it just does. Uh and, you know, it seems like it is, but I, I, I've never made a price prediction on the podcast. I would bet Bitcoin, in my opinion, does well over the next 10 years. You know, I think Bitcoin in the next That's 10 a good years way to put it. is going to be it's going to be worth a lot. One Bitcoin is going to there's only hey guys. There's only 21 million. They're going to be worth a lot. And we're talking about all of these crazy concepts. But here's what you need to know. These concepts are already happening. The companies are doing doing these things. That's why I always feel so behind because it's like 
Yeah, we're way behind. This industry has been going on for 14 years and it has the most sound base layer ever. And if you've ever met a successful person in your life, they have a routine. They have four or five things that they do every day. They just do these four or five things every day and they don't really stray away from it. Why? Because they know if they're just consistent, they do something every single day. They're probably gonna be relatively successful. I can't remember. Uh, God, what author is it? There were two authors. It was a YouTube clip. And I'd have to look it up. It's a very famous author. Stephen King, maybe the horror author. He's like, I write six pages a day. That's what I do. He writes more books than anybody else. Why? I write six pages a day. He's like, no more, no less. He's like, I write six pages. Why? Because if I can be consistent, he's like, I can literally like see out, oh, in three months, I'll have another book done. I'll have another book done. I'll have another book done. And Bitcoin is that on steroids. Like Bitcoin is that on like every 10 minutes. Bang, 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 bang. That is it. it, Honestly, it's crazy because like all this stuff in crypto has been happening. I've just been waiting. I'm like, dude, is this hash rate going to fall? Are we going to like miss a block or something? Or like, does that happen? And maybe in the beginning it was like a little bit more questionable. But now, like it seems 14 years in. You know, the Lightning Network will have a catastrophic failure, so to speak, in my opinion, at some point, or something bad will happen on the Lightning Network and it'll scare people. Maybe, maybe not. I hope not. But, like, I, I think that's probably possible. But, man, on the layer one, it seems like things are going to be uh, 10 minutes. Doop, doop, doop. And that's our money being protected every 10 minutes. Yep. As long as nobody hacks my Apple phone and goes in and steals my Bitcoin right now. Because now it's going to be offline. You guys are done. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's taking my Bitcoin now. It's <laughs> offline. It's all mine. It's crazy. Oh yeah, I don't know. It's crazy, though, man. Like, I, I just think that the world that we're heading into, it's like Bitcoin, whether you want to talk about energy or money or medium of exchange, it's all happening. And crypto's falling. So, in my opinion, this is the like the bear market. This has been very enjoyable. Very fun year. I enjoy it. Hey, up. you and I have stacked a lot of Bitcoin this year, man. I'm not unhappy, you know. Yeah. I mean, like, if it went even lower, I, I really wouldn't be too unhappy, okay? It just means that somebody else, you know, there's a lot of contagion out there still. People people have still a little bit of ways to fall is what I've what, what it seems hey, like. So. Well, and, and who could who are we to rule out a Christmas miracle? I right. Mean, I mean, who are who we to rule out? And who are we you know, to rule out single uh, $9,000 Bitcoin? Like I mean, uh, a, a Christmas miracle is always uh, is always out and about. Could be around the corner, you know. Every Christmas, it's always around. Finance has stopped withdrawals just December twenty fourth at eleven thirty p.m. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I would sit there and go, "What are we doing, man?" <laughs> like, well, what if or what if Bitcoin tanks? What if Bitcoin tanks to like, you know, three grand, five grand? And we're able to buy up X amount of sats for X amount of dollars. And then by New Year's Eve, it's in the 50s again or something, you know. Who knows, you know. Who I knows? just The only thing I would say is I think something close to 70% hasn't moved in quite a long time. So I think if supply doesn't move, it, hard, it is hard to go lower than what? Like half, half technically of where we're at right now. That makes sense. Yeah. So I think... I think, yeah. I mean, I'd love it. Three, five thousand dollar Bitcoin would be mayhem. It, I would even be buying it, going like, "This might be dead," but like, whatever. I mean, like everybody says it can't die, and I honestly believe that it can't die as long as you keep mining it. At three or five thousand dollars, I would be more considering. I'm going to go start mining this stuff. I'd be like, I need well, to go get a miner. Well, the the lower it goes, the lower it goes in price, though, the more uh, in and assuming that. Uh, electricity costs stay the same the lower the price goes the the more you're having to pay to get that bitcoin which makes it which means it, instead of being a profitable deal it, oh, it, yeah, becomes, it becomes uh yeah but the difficulty adjustment usually will correct for them. yeah but the, i think even now the difficulty adjustment like they're expecting like a significant reduction in difficulty for mining so they're going to have to expend a lot less to get it and the network actually adjusts for that the difficulty adjustment is just another wonderful thing in Bitcoin. But that's not based on price, though. But that's not based on price. 
I think, yeah, but I think it is based on like how much energy is expended. So it's just like, it's based on the total so it's based on it's based on price just based on the way that it works it just works where it's like oh these guys are getting less profitable probably because it's getting whatever too complicated or it's getting too competitive or it's getting this or that and so the bitcoin network i don't i need to read into that more difficulty adjustment maybe yeah. that'll be next saturday difficulty adjustment. difficulty adjustment let's learn about that and talk about it next saturday so the difficulty adjustment here, we'll, we'll talk about it next Saturday. I think that's a good way to leave it off. Teacher, if I thought this was a fun conversation, uh, we talked a little bit about what, what Bitcoiners are, um, you know, kind of some of the religious side of, uh, of Bitcoin, which I think is kind of fun to, to make comparisons on and, and kind of see similarities to um, some social media and the, the Twitter files stuff, I think is kind of interesting. Um, I, I, I had fun here this morning with you. Uh, guys, come check us out on Twitter at Nick and Griff Show. That is spelled out N Y C A N D G R I F F S H O W at Nick and Griff Show. If you're not watching, we do have video on Spotify and on YouTube. So if you're not watching, come check us out on one of those platforms. Um, and it's going to be a killer week, Griff. Absolutely. Got a couple more weeks. Nick has a, Nick has a fire this. haircut to go to, and he's about to be looking I'm going to be looking nice and fresh. It kind of, it, my hair doesn't look so bad here, but no, no, it's, been no, like, it's, it's been like a week and a half. I got off of my schedule and we got all this Christmas stuff coming up. So, you know, I know it's a crazy time. Well, Griff, until next week, man. Peace.